Hello everyone, this is the Theoretical Doctor and today's topic will be on Causes, Symptoms, Transmission, Treatment, and Prevention of Dengue Fever. For notes and flashcards on this topic, do visit my website theoreticaldoctor.com. This is a recording from my video on my YouTube channel. Thus, if you want visual guided explanations, do visit my channel on YouTube, The Theoretical Doctor. Let's get into it and I hope you enjoy this recording. In this video, we will be continuing on dengue, whereby we will dive into the causes and incubation period, symptoms according to the clinical course of dengue infection, transmission, treatment, and prevention. So the causes and incubation period. It is caused by a virus that is transmitted through the bite of female Aedes aegypti mosquito and Aedes albopictus mosquito. So basically the Aedes mosquito. So there are two types. It it is a notifiable disease because it can be spread through the mosquito. There are four serotypes, viral serotypes for dengue fever. You have the DENV1, 2, 3, and 4. And each episode of infection induces a lifelong protective immunity to that particular serotype. So basically, when a person gets infected by the first one, they usually have immunity towards the first one. There is very less likelihood they will be infected by the same viral strain so most likely if there is a reinfection it's caused by other strains so a person can get infected four times because there are four different types of dengue viral strain so the dengue virus is an RNA virus from the genus flavivirus and dengue fever mostly occurs in the tropical and subtropical regions of the world and usually increases in the hot and humid months I'm from Malaysia and in Malaysia if you know there are a lot of dengue cases Cases. It's actually quite common. We, we often hear about it a lot and it's nothing new. The mosquito breeds easily during rainy seasons. So like Malaysia, it <laughs> rains and shines all year long and there's no such thing as it's the rainy season or summer or what i mean it could be sunny the whole day and next thing you know in the evening it's raining heavily like now it's the rainy season and <laughs> sorry the mosquito usually breeds near human habitation especially in stagnant waters that's why they would advise us you know not to let the water be stagnant to clear the pots if you have any pots that's collecting water so the mosquito is most active in the early morning and late afternoon or early evening so that's why they usually do fogging over here during the early evening incubation period four to seven days before signs and symptoms appear symptoms before i dive into the general symptoms presented by dengue fever just know that there are three phases you have the febrile phase febrile meaning fever critical phase and recovery phase and the thing is in these phases the symptoms vary thus i will go through them in more detail before telling the general symptoms that they will be presented with so the first one is febrile phase the patients develop high-grade fever suddenly and it will last about two days to seven days they will present so these are the symptoms with facial flushing rash rash is common generalized body ache vomiting and headache there may be mild hemorrhagic manifestations like petechiae so these petechiae are small purplish spots which can be seen on the skin due to blood leaking out of the blood vessels and mucosal membrane may be seen so sometimes they may have 
gum bleeding like that's the easiest you can see and if you can see in this picture over here that's an example of petechiae and the rash next is critical phase so critical phase often occurs after the third day of fever take note third day of fever not the third day after the person was bitten or around defervescence indicated by a rapid drop in temperature and last about one to two days so this coincides with an increase in capillary permeability the patient may deteriorate and manifest third space plasma leakage or organ dysfunction this is an example um, of dengue hemorrhagic fever so according to who to differentiate between dengue fever and dengue hemorrhagic fever is the presence of plasma leakage in the dengue hemorrhagic fever so the moment they come in with a plasma leakage in critical phase they are having dengue hemorrhagic fever so in this critical phase they can progress it's um it is called critical phase because it is critical this is where the patients usually deteriorate and they need close monitoring so it depends from here they could either go two-way in less severe cases the changes are minimal and transient and they usually recover spontaneously after a short period of fluid or electrolyte therapy so basically they're just given iv fluids iv drips continuously in more severe cases the patients may develop shock so they enter into dengue shock syndrome because the body is unable to maintain adequate blood supply to meet the metabolic demands of the cells the third phase is the recovery phase so they have gone through febrile phase critical phase now they're at recovery phase this is after 24 to 48 hours of critical phase the plasma leakage usually stops by then and is followed by reabsorption of extravascular fluid so here the patient symptoms the general well-being improves and their appetite returns and their gastrointestinal symptoms also improve so that's according to the phases so if you understand the phase you would know that it is a fever all throughout but it varies according to the phase however i have also set aside the symptoms the overall symptoms that you should know for dengue fever so first off is breakbone fever and breakbone fever is accompanied with high fever usually around 40 to 41 degrees celsius chills uh, pain behind eyes and severe joint and muscle pain that's breakbone fever so it's fever that's very high and they have pain joint pain, muscle pain, pain behind the eyes, like that. Next is loss of appetite, nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, hemorrhage or severe bleeding, bleeding of the nose and gums, circulatory collapse, they enter shock, sore throat and cough, pneumonia, inflammation of the heart, blood in the stool and so the transmission of dengue the dengue virus is being transmitted by the bite of a striped aedes mosquito that has previously bitten an infected person this is an example of the aedes mosquito they have those white stripes so the thing is that not all aedes mosquitoes harbor the dengue virus they're just vectors and they become vectors when they have previously bitten an infected person so that's how the virus gets transmitted so the dengue virus does not spread directly from person to person you can't get dengue just by touching a person who has dengue fever but only through the bite 
of an infected mosquito. So this happens when the female mosquito sucks the blood of an infected human. The virus is ingested into the gut and moves to the salivary glands and becomes a vector for dengue infection. Now it's a vector. It harbors the disease. When the vector bites an uninfected person and a healthy person, some saliva is injected into the human as well and contains the dengue virus. The mosquito can transmit the DENVCR type for the rest of its life. Basically, once a mosquito becomes a vector, it harbors the dengue virus for the rest of its life. It sounds long, right? But <laughs> actually, the lifespan of the mosquito is typically about a month. Treatment of dengue fever. So it's a viral infection. So there's no point of giving anti antibiotic antibiotic is only for bacterial infection so it's a viral infection the problem here is there's no specific treatment so you can't just give antiviral medication the only thing you can do is to treat the person's symptoms to give symptomatic or supportive treatment so here are a few things that um you can give actually to the patient as you treat their symptoms and mind you it's to treat the symptoms not the particular virus itself First is bed rest and it's important for quick recovery. For severe headache, joint and muscle pain because they present with brick bone fever, you could give paracetamol, acetaminophen and codeine. You can also give painkillers for severe body aches. So this paracetamol, codeine, they are actually a form of painkiller. Yes, you do not just give it for fever, um, you give it for pain as well. But paracetamol is like something you can get in the pharmacy anywhere. In, even in the supermarket and codeine is a step higher aspirin should not be given because it will cause severe bleeding because aspirin is actually a form of blood thinner so in critical phase remember that there is actually increased permeability of the capillary membrane so if you were to give aspirin which is a form of blood thinner it can cause severe bleeding and in the first phase in the febrile phase sometimes they might have petechiae and gum bleeding and if you give aspirin it's not gonna stop the bleeding it's actually gonna exacerbate it it's gonna make it worse next is increased fluid intake either orally drinking or iv drips to prevent dehydration and the person may be sponged down with water at room temperature using a wet squeezed out towel to help lower the high temperature now patient with dengue hemorrhagic fever requires close monitoring as they can progress into dengue shock syndrome this is seen in the critical phase whereby the, there are signs of circulatory failure and they can go into critical state of shock dss dengue shock syndrome and usually they can die within 12 to 24 hours prevention of dengue so the best method of prevention is to cut the transmission cycle which is by mosquito eradication as you can see here in this picture fogging well you can't actually cure the dengue fever because there's only symptomatic treatment there's no drug that we know of that can cure the dengue fever we know that it's being transmitted by the vector and the vector is the Aedes mosquito so the only way you can do it is to just cut the mode of transmission so there are a few factors to consider in terms of social factors just prevent the person from being bitten by mosquitoes so use loose clothing that covers the whole body because you know they're not gonna really bite over the cloth sometimes they do <laughs> so lo use loose clothing fitting 
insect screens on windows and doors if you like to leave your window open it's good to have that actually using insecticide treated mosquito nets for bed lighting mosquito coils or using electric vapor mats keep the mosquito away applying mosquito repellent on exposed skin when outdoors especially if you're a very outdoorsy person you like to go hiking and whatnot go walking early in the morning or in the late evenings or early evenings best to have it staying in air conditioned rooms because remember they like hot and humid areas subtropical and tropical countries avoid being outdoors in the early morning and before sunset which is when the Aedes mosquito are at their peak they're most active economical factors fogging with insecticides in dengue stricken areas adding larvicide to water containers and man-made ponds so this larvicide will actually um, consume the larvae they will kill the larvae because um before a mosquito becomes a mosquito they they are larvae first so you nip the problem in the bud biological factors introduction of larvae eating fish in ponds because the mosquito needs a stagnant water to breed to lay eggs and the eggs will hatch and they become larvae so it's good to have these fishes if you know you don't want to use larvicide so they will eat the larvae thank you for listening and i hope you've gained some value from this episode i would appreciate it if you could follow my podcast and leave a rating or a review as well as my youtube channel the theoretical doctor do stay tuned for the following episodes which will be posted every tuesdays and fridays till then take care and i hope you have a blessed day